This podcast is brought to you by Reverb, the online marketplace for new, used, and vintage music gear. Learn more at Reverb.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Hailing from Edmonton, Canadian electronic pop duo Purity Ring made a splash with their debut album, Shrines. The release was a document of Corin Roddick and singer Megan James' long-distance collaboration and Corin's electronic music experimentation and exploration. Made entirely at home, the band's latest and third release, Womb, debuted at number one on the electronic music charts. We sat down with Corin to discuss the making of both Shrines and Womb Distance recording and happy accidents. Enjoy. How did you get into recording? I mean, I understand that you you at one point you worked at a recording studio. Uh, yeah, so I, I first got interested in recording. I think probably around the age of maybe twelve or thirteen. Um, I had like just some janky. Uh, software on on my terrible computer at the time and uh, i started like trying to do sort of remixes i guess of of whatever music i was listening to at the time um and that that didn't work out very well because uh, i was just kind of so so limited with with what i was working with um so from there i kind of wanted to check out like getting some microphones um and into using a proper daw and all that uh so yeah, I played in a lot of bands and was making music through junior high and high school. And um, a lot of my friends kind of knew me as as the guy that had some recording gear in his basement. Um, so naturally, I kind of ended up being being the person that was like recording all of the just the demos and and um, various things like that for like people I knew in, in my school and also kind of like elsewhere around the city. Uh, and yeah, I just kind of kept, kept going with that. And eventually after, after I graduated high school, um, I started working just at a, a local studio as an, as an engineer, even though I didn't really have any, any formal training or anything, I was still pretty much trying to figure it out as I, as I went. Were you just doing whatever bands came through the door or were you starting to bring bands in and produce them? Uh, honestly, it was just kind of whatever was available. Um, it, it was a lot of just um, word of mouth, like friends of mine that were in bands. Uh, and basically, there. I mean, this is in, in Edmonton, Alberta, so it's not... Uh, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a decent local music scene, but it's, it's quite isolated as a city. It's not like people are going to, you know, really travel there to to like work at a studio. Um, so it, it was kind of slim, slim pickings in a way. And, uh, so it, I, I would pretty much record anything that was, uh, willing to, to pay the bills. So I, I ended up working on a lot of stuff that I wasn't exactly excited about. Um, but from time to time I would, I would get to work on, on, um, some music made by my friends that I would be more excited about, but that was usually the stuff that I was either doing for free or, you know, very, very low, low fees. Yeah. 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 Just to kind of get back to purity ring. My, it's my understanding that 
that Shrines was your first attempt at making an electronic focused record. So is that is that based in fact or or did you just like how did that all sort of come about? Did you just end up buying some gear that you were interested in and learn to use it or like what was the what how did that all kind of happen? Um well yeah, like I said, I I, I had sort of a, a background already in in recording, but it was almost entirely based around you know recording acoustic drums and guitars, pianos, that kind of thing, um, and uh, I had always been interested in elect- electronic music. I'd always uh, really admired um, sounds like that that I'd heard in records, and I didn't really know how they were made, uh, but once I got a my hands on on a copy somehow of Ableton uh I just started kind of dabbling with that um and I I was on tour with my friend's band at the time I think when I was 18 or 19 and uh I had a lot of a lot of time to myself on the road so I would just as as we were you know driving from city to city I I was just kind of uh trying to learn the ins and outs of Ableton and started messing around with with um making some beats and, and that kind of thing so but obviously like my my background that i knew a little bit about like you know how to use eq and reverb and compression and that kind of stuff uh made it so stuff started to sound uh you know passable probably more quickly than if i had had no no prior experience with with working with audio of course but yeah that that's when i really kind of started to to get into electronic production and sort of scratch the surface of it was like and and some of the, some of those first tracks I made actually were were songs that ended up on on the Shrines record. And w- so I have a couple questions to follow up on that. I mean, so what what bands were you were you kind of listening to at that time that kind of piqued your interest in the genre? Um, I really loved uh, Bjork. There's a in in terms of of electronic stuff like her her album Vespertine has like a lot of really kind of glitchy like textured uh synth sounds like mixed with kind of more organic like harp and piano sounds um so I, yeah that that's a record that that i listened to all the time when i was in high school yeah and then other than that like i i um i was listening to a lot of radiohead and um obviously like kid a record has has like a lot of really kind of unique electronic sounds that i had never heard anything like that before so that that really made me want to get into it and also like I, I i loved a lot of just r&b and hip-hop and all of that stuff was made you know on on mpcs and samplers um so just that that kind of general workflow of like chopping things up and uh programming drums really appealed to me and is that was that your approach on on shrines that you were you know taking and manipulating samples or were you creating your own samples because the records that you're talking about especially radiohead you know like kid a and, and amnesiac those are like really kind of hybridized electronic you know organic acoustic records um so what was your approach to making shrines uh it was just honestly a lot of experimenting with not much of a plan um i started by uh i i I thought it was quite interesting, like using a lot of manipulated vocals kind of as samples that worked uh, kind of to create the backbone and like texture of, of tracks. So that, that that was kind of the first first breakthrough I had was that like, you know, I could I could uh, take little snippets of vocals and chop them up uh, and kind of and and turn those into 
pieces that kind of stitched the beat together. Um, and then, and then the other sort of component of it that like, it took some messing around to, to get there, but, uh, realizing that that worked really well with more kind of hip hop sounding beats, like, you know, the 808 snares, um, and the hi-hats and such. Uh, cause I, at that time I hadn't really heard that type of drum production, you know, used outside, outside the genre of hip hop at all. So, so it, what I, I kind of stumbled upon combining those things by accident and I was like, oh, this actually works out okay. So I just kind of kept going with that and and then um, just blending in a lot of like synth sounds and stuff that uh, had always appealed to me, like like the classic sound of like Moog bass lines and kind of like 80s sounding stabs and, and plucky sounds. I'm uh, I'm curious because I'm just learning Ableton now. I've been working on Pro Tools for the, you know since it was a thing. What what do you find to be the sort of advantages for you in 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 uh, working in uh, live versus like a traditional DAW? Uh, well, yeah, I, I came from working in uh, Cubase before that because um, that's what I would use when I was recording bands and um, and the music that I used to make. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely a bit of a learning curve changing over to Ableton, but once I started getting used to it, it was like every little thing that used to take me, you know, five or 10 steps in Cubase, I could accomplish with one or two steps in, in Ableton. It's just, just as very kind of intuitively laid out, especially when it comes to, um, electronic programming. I would say the downside of it though, is it's really not good at all for like actually doing, uh, recorded takes, like especially if it's multi-track, no chance at all. But even even just like you know trying to do like ten takes of a vocal and then comp it to the best parts is uh is an incredible pain in Ableton. It's not it's not really built out for that. But uh, when it comes to kind of just, I I still do I do that in like uh, you, actually lately I've been use, using Studio One for 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 comping the vocals because they have, they have a really nice uh, comping feature in there. If Ableton had comping, it would be it would be the the chef's kiss of of uh, Dawes for sure. What what were some of your triumphs and pitfalls of making the making that first record? I mean, when you what do you hear when you go back and listen to it now? Uh, when I listen, that's a good question. Um, when I listen to it now, I hear a lot of like just experimentation and and what sounds like someone kind of figuring things out as they go along um which is i think what makes that record have a lot of charm because you know i can never i could never make a record like that again no matter how hard i try just due to um you know having a quite limited knowledge of what i was trying to achieve while i was doing it um so yeah it's it, uh I, I don't know what the, the the pitfalls maybe like um I was I was really definitely relying heavily on a few different effects that that were giving me results that I liked quickly which were like very you know dramatic sidechain compression um a, a lot of a lot of like distorted reverb using using just like the stock Ableton reverb on like low quality setting because <laughs> I just didn't really like know better, I guess. Um, but in hindsight, you know, that's kind of what gives it its charm as well. Like all, all the reverb kind of has this like lo-fi distorted quality to it that just to me sounded good at the time and it, it does still sound good, but it's, you know, it's, I would never do anything like that now because there's just so much, so many better options. 
got to be sort of interesting, uh, puts you in an interesting place as you move forward from that record, having have it been successful. You know what I mean? Yeah, that there is uh, kind of an odd thing there that um, when you make that first album and, and you know, you're you're really kind of figuring it out as you go and like and figuring out who you are as an artist, there there's all these kind of uh, experimental results that happen of like trying something out for the first time. And like uh, that can never happen again. You know, that's that's the that's kind of the crazy thing about it. It's it's like when, when you're when you're just making that album, it's it, you know, it sounds if it's a good feeling because you're you're feels like you're kind of able to express yourself in a way you haven't before. Um, which I, I do remember that being really rewarding when we were making it, but I wasn't thinking at all about how uh, I was sort of making those sounds from like a place of like, uh, I guess, innocence and, and unknowingness <laughs> that I would never be able to recapture again, you know, as, as my knowledge of the, of, of the medium grew. So, uh, but it, it's, it's cool that people appreciate that as it is, but, it, but it is, it can be disappointing when, when like, certain people will become so fixated on like something that you that you did you know like they're like why can't you just keep doing that again and it's like well actually i mean no matter how much i try it's just impossible because like i can't recreate those those circumstances <laughs> yeah well and then you know what's the point of making more than one record if you're just going to make the same record again <laughs> it's like yeah absolutely do you pretty much make all your records at home now yep um this this last album womb we we made uh pretty much entirely at home um we just have i have like a little uh pre- like production and mixing setup and um a little vocal booth and yeah that's pretty much it like we engineer produce mix it all here i got the mixes to about 90 percent, and then um since since the acoustics in my place aren't the greatest uh, I did. I finished the last kind of ten percent of of the mixing process at a friend's studio, who has kind of like you know more of a a really well treated room, just so I could kind of make sure I wasn't missing anything. Um, but but yeah, other than that, everything was done just just at my spot here. Was this record made um, where you just you had sort of fully uh, created tracks and then? Um, pass those along to have vocals put on or um where was it more of a collaborative process or uh it's a combination really um like some some songs as you as you say are have been you know pretty much just like i made a full instrumental piece and then um megan uh just you know comes up with like vocals to accompany it but um other, other songs have been uh, more like, you know, I'll kind of make like a, a loop and then Megan will come up for something with that part. And then like, I'll kind of see what she did with that and then find where the song should go from there. And then it, it kind of becomes like a back and forth, more like collaborative process. Um, and then some, some of them have been like, uh, actually vocals first and then, and then kind of building the track around that. So it, yeah, it's, it, it's a big mix of things. And are you guys are you guys doing this remotely? Are you in the room together, or you know how? Do, some people like to work in different ways. I mean, are you somebody that likes to have a little bit of space to create, or do you like having somebody there to work it out with? Yeah, I we both work on our own most of the time. Um, like like when I'm kind of coming up with ideas to start a track off, I'm yeah almost always working on my own, uh, and 
I'll, I'll send stuff to Megan and, and she'll come up with ideas as well. And then, and then we'll kind of get together and be like, Hey, well, what do you have? What do I have? And then, um, start to combine them. And then, and then there comes, so I, I would say like, yeah, songs start out quite remotely. And then as they, as they kind of start to form into songs, it becomes a much more like in the same room collaborative kind of process. And record making has changed so much with the advent of the dawn. I mean, this is not a new thing, but it's it certainly really, you know, I mean, God, anybody can do it now, especially when like every Mac gets shipped with, you know, recording software. Um, yeah, so that's it's pretty amazing that everyone has that access now. Yeah, I mean, that so the tools have really sort of democratized the whole process. I mean, it's not access. I mean, it is if you want to get into more of the high end stuff. But would you ever make another record in a traditional mm-hmm. recording studio? And like, do you are there things that you miss about a, a more traditional recording studio rather than being at home? Yeah. Um, since I came more from that background of being in a studio and like you know having like a live room where you know acoustic sounds really carried and and you could use the room as as an instrument as well um and and just kind of having more more ge- like gear around to experiment with uh I, I i do miss that a bit and and it hasn't it hasn't like you know disappeared from my process entirely like i, I do still use a little bit of outboard gear here and there um for more kind of specific tasks uh, but I, it's possible that, you know, I, I could see, I could see down the line, um, if we w- wanted to go in that direction, you know, maybe incorporating more like larger, uh, like live room sounding kind of things. Cause that, it, the way we're doing stuff right now, it's, it's definitely not, not possible <laughs> to get, to get those kind of sounds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- just listening to your records, I could definitely see the value of you creating your own drum sounds in a, in a space and using them, you know, bringing them back into your into your process for another sonic texture. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's something I've I've thought about more because um, actually, like, I think uh, programming drums is is probably my least favorite part of the entire process. Because sometimes it, it, somehow it's just like always really difficult for me to make it sound good. Uh, so I, I've I've thought about uh, ways to incorporate more more like I guess live. Maybe I'd probably you know turn them kind of into loops and process them to to fit you know more into of an electronic sounding kind of um, uh, you know the way it would mix together. Um, but but yeah, that that that's somewhere where I could see things going like really. Uh, using sounds that are more organic to begin with and, and building off of those rather than just, um, you know, dropping things onto a grid because that can get a little bit monot- monotonous after a while. Kid, do you mind talking a little bit about some of these, um, some of the tracks on the record? Yeah, I'd love um, to. How about Pink Lightning? Yeah, uh, so that song was one of the last ones we finished for the album, and um, it had a lot of like kind of happy accidents, I guess, the way it came together. Uh, like starting out with the way it starts out with a low pitch down vocal, like that that was never there originally, um, and then I, I accidentally uh, slowed down. I, was, I think I was trying to do something differently entirely. Uh, but I, I, I and ended up manipulating the vocal kind of in the wrong direction and slowing it down to half speed. Um, 
which sounded kind of quite strange and ominous on its own. So that became kind of like the first third of the song. And then uh, at the end of the song, it changes to a new, it's like the same chorus over again, but over top of a, a different chord progression. Uh, and that again was was another total just kind of happy accident of uh, I had like an old uh, summer in the Ableton session like you know far off to the right <laughs> I had like an uh, old bits and pieces from when I was like first putting the beat together and um, I think I accidentally copied and pasted like a scratch vocal for the chorus over top of of like kind of the old graveyard bits and um, it, it really meshed with that old chord progression in a way that, that, you know, I never would have tried to put them together or Megan never would have sang that over that prog progression to begin with. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of kind of things where it's just, you know, accidentally clicking on the wrong thing and then be like, oh, wait, that actually sounds pretty, pretty cool. There might be there might be something to that. How about I like the devil? Uh, yeah, that one I think was maybe the very first um, bit of music we started working on in the sessions for this album that actually ended up making it on onto the record. Uh, and yeah, that one's pretty different for us the way it has kind of a more like four on the floor, really driving rhythm, and and then like gets really sparse with the piano. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too sure what to say about that one specifically, um, but it, it, it's more kind of like almost industrial a little bit the way it came together, and uh, yeah, we we thought we're like, oh, is the whole album gonna sound like this? <laughs> we don't know, and then and then it ended up being kind of the only one that sounded like that, which is like kind of funny. So do you track a bunch of songs and then uh, edit it down to, you know, what ends up going on the record? Or did you kind of start with the the record and then work on that? Uh, we we don't finish a lot of songs that we think won't make it in the end. Um, I would say usually like when we're in the middle of working on a song, we'll we'll both either agree. We'll both agree that it is going to go on the album, and then and then um, we'll you know see that song through to completion. But uh, if a song is kind of like in the midst of coming together, and we're we're feeling a little uh, unsure about it, uh, we'll usually just kind of set it aside. Um, 
and and work on something that we're that we're more more focused on so so no we don't we don't like you know finish 30 songs completely and then just choose 10 it's kind of like we just end up with a, a graveyard of, of kind of half finished bits and then a handful of songs that, that are actually complete. Are those things uh, but, that you end up going back to or? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, a lot of them become useful. Um, like some, some of them we, you know, revisit at the end and it's like, Oh, that actually is a really, maybe not the whole song, but like just the section of the song is, is really promising. So, you know, kind of build a new, a new track out of, out of just like kind of one part or, uh, Often one of our favorite things to do is like sort of Frankensteining things together. Sometimes like if we're really stuck uh, getting say like a verse or a bridge or something for one song, we'll go and look at the graveyard and um, end up kind of harvesting like some something from another like track that wasn't really working but was sounding cool and then trying to repurpose it into into this other song that we're working on whether it's like you know change the timing and change the pitch and things like that but um we we do that quite a lot sometimes kind of frankensteining like maybe three or four songs into one song uh and then it it can all it's cool because you can kind of end up with more unexpected results that way like if you end up combining the vocal melody from one song with like you know the chords and bass line of of something else completely because uh there's you get kind of a more unexpected sounding thing where where you know we would never come up with vocal melodies like that over top of that if we had started with it in the first place so yeah it does become handy for sure having having leftover bits that's cool i I love hearing stuff like that because i think that's really fun and it also is not what people necessarily expect you know i think that that's uh yeah you you know you talked about happy accidents i think that um so much of the music we all love is was created that way and and that's that's cool i I think when things get taken out of our hands sometimes it's the best thing you know you know yeah totally yeah i mean like the the phil collins like drum sound in the 80s that was like wasn't that like a weird accident with the talkback mic or something exactly (laughs) like changed music for the next 15 years how about silk spun silk spun i think that was that was one of the songs that that uh ended up being you know a few different songs kind of combined together (laughs) by the time it was all said and done like uh i I think we'd come up with maybe the chorus vocal but it was like over top of something else entirely and then um I had was working on something else that had had that kind of more upward, like uh, up tempo kind of like driving rhythm to the drums, uh, and combining that with what we already had, plus like uh, I think even some bits from some other old demos and such. Uh, it, it, that one turned into yeah, sort of a, a mosaic, I guess, of like of like different ideas combining together, and uh, it worked out pretty well, I think. And I've probably skipped over your favorite songs on the record, so maybe if you want to pick one of those and talk about it, uh, or one that you're you're uh, ex- still excited about now. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, I really, I really like the the opening track, uh, Ruby Insides, and that that's one of the rare ones for us that came together super quickly. Like like oft, often we'll kind of work on a song on and off, you know, for upwards of a year, kind of tweaking different parts of it. Um, but that one, you know, the the music, uh, all the kind of elements and the the lyrics uh, and the arrangement all all came together just in maybe maybe just like two days. And it had it didn't, it didn't really change much after that. So that that felt like we don't really do that kind of thing very often. So it felt really rewarding. Uh, and it was just one of those things where where like it it just everything feels really good as you're working on it and almost kind of effortless. And and uh, I think the way we put that song together, it it was another kind of accident where like uh, when I first showed it to Megan, she started. I think she didn't realize where I was intending the one to be. Um, so she started writing all of her vocals starting on, I think like like the second chord in the sequence, uh, which then like made me hear the entire song differently. Like as if the whole, you know, if the whole song got shifted over, uh, you know, one measure so that the second chord was actually the first chord, it, it suddenly kind of it really changed the entire vibe of it and kind of made made um made the the whole progression of it feel a bit more like almost like it was going backwards or something like that like like less resolved uh so we 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 kept going with it that way because it just sounded more interesting and then to get this sort of uh reversed vocal sound as well um we did the you know reversing all of our vocals and then putting it through a reverb and then reversing that so you get the get the trails of reverb that, that lead into the the vocals itself uh so i think it having that through the entire song with this kind of strange uh progression that doesn't really start where you would expect it to uh it kind of makes the whole track sound a bit uneasy and almost like it is playing playing backwards or something so yeah that, that one's one of my favorites awesome good one well, and it got you a number one record, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. On, on the electronic charts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll take it. Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. <laughs>